following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word this morning, that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness through the power of him who called us to your own glory and goodness. God, we ask that your spirit would direct us this morning as we examine your word. For we know that these are your words, but we want to understand them as you intended them to be understood, not uh, with our own biases and filters. We want to hear from you. So, Lord, we ask that you would work in a miraculous way this morning as we look at your word. We love you, Lord, and look forward to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thinking of Timothy, I have... Um, most of my adult life, at least, I've had a real affinity with Timothy. Um, and although we have no recorded words from Timothy, nothing he ever said is recorded in Scripture, we can still learn a lot about his life directly from the Bible. He's talked about quite a bit. Timothy was from a town called Lystra, uh, and he was well-liked and well-spoken of there. He had a Jewish mother who also was a believer in the Lord Jesus. Um, his, his mother's name was Eunice, and his grandmother's name was Lois. They were both believers, Jewish believers. But his father was a pagan Greek. Um, so he was not, not a believer in Jesus, and he was also not a Jewish. We know that Timothy probably had faith in Christ before he met Paul. Uh, most likely because his mother and grandmother heard Paul's preaching while Timothy was still very young. Um, and that his mother and grandmother most likely shared the gospel with him. Now, we don't know that for sure, but that's most likely the case. Now, I feel an, affi an affinity to Timothy because of the shared heritage, really, of having a believing mother and grandmother. Um, these 
two women, my mother and my grandmother, were instrumental in my coming to know Jesus and being part of his church and even going into full-time ministry. I think it really came from when my mom used to dress me up like Billy Graham for church, uh, for Easter services. But yeah, that really stuck, right? Yeah. And uh, oddly enough, uh, it's not a coincidence that the woman who first explained the gospel to me, her name was Eunice, uh, which I think is really fun. Um, and it's this heritage of faith that Paul is, that Paul mentions in our text that I want to address today uh, in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. Uh, so let's look at that. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy was facing um, a lot of challenges um, in his work in Ephesus, not only the work of caring for the church and helping them to remain or become doctrinally pure, he's also dealing with opposition and persecution from those who do not agree with the gospel and who want to take the church over uh, to get them to follow after them instead of the follow the Lord Jesus. And Paul had just warned him in the, in the verses previous to this about the evil people and imposters that were going from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And Paul says, those people are all over the place, Timothy. That's just the way it is. They're bad news, but you, Timothy, you stand firm, regardless of who stands opposed to you. Stand firm. Stand firm on the heritage of faith that you have. Stand firm on what you know to be true. What you have learned and have firmly believed. Don't be deceived. Stand firm. Well, sometimes I think that's easy for them to say. They're, they're in the Bible. They had it easy, right? It's not so easy here. Well, Timothy did have some advantages in his walk with Jesus that uh, I don't think are foreign to all of us here, not foreign to me, I don't think. But what are those advantages? I can see two in our text here this morning. The first advantage is he continued in, he could continue in what he had learned because he knew from whom he learned it. This is really important. We can know facts and we can understand things. But there's so much has to do with the source of where we receive this information. If you trust them, if you know that they're not trying to deceive you. I mean, it's just talk about deceivers and imposters. And Timothy knew who he had learned about the Lord Jesus from. Timothy learned about Jesus and Jesus' love for him from those he loved and trusted. His mom, his grandmom, and Paul as well. The word whom, in verse 14, he says, um, continue what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Now, this is where English fails us a little bit. Is whom singular or plural? 
Yes. Well, in English, you can't tell, right? Whom is whom, whatever. Well, in Greek, it's plural. It should say, knowing from who all you learned this from. <laughs> but uh, this is not a southern translation, I'm afraid. Not proper English, anyway. <laughs> whom he learned it from, who all he learned about it, Jesus from, Lois, his grandmother, Eunice, his mother, along with the Apostle Paul and others, were trustworthy teachers, and he knew he could trust them, that they loved him. He knew that they sincerely loved him, and they, that he could trust in what they had to say. They weren't out to build their own little kingdoms and, and uh, gain influence and followers just to feed their own selfish and sinful desires like so many others were. Doesn't happen anymore, thankfully. These folks were sincere in their desire to teach Timothy the path of righteousness before God, through faith in Jesus Christ. They're not looking out for do something for themselves. They're looking to help him. That's a tremendous advantage, don't you think? I do. Some people, lots of people, come to faith to watch Billy Graham or somebody like that on TV. And that's fine. He's a trustworthy person, right? He's not out to make his own kingdom. This is even better. Is someone he knew and knew him and knew he loved, knew they loved him and he loved them. That's a great advantage. The second advantage Timothy had was that his discipleship started early. Now, some of you who have faith in Christ that just knew him as an adult were not raised uh, in a church or raised knowing the Lord Jesus can, uh, can see, I think, the advantage of those who learn about Jesus Christ early in life as kids. <clears throat> Lois, his grandmother, and Eunice's mother had done what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 6. We already read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall diligently teach them to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What's the point of all that? What? Don't forget, right? Some of us, I give my my family credit for bringing me to faith. They also brought me to Sunday school and left me there and went out to breakfast. So <laughs> that only happened one time, but this is very vivid. Uh, the, so often in a culture, a church culture in America, I can't speak for anywhere else, can't really speak, well, whatever. Uh, we trust other people to teach our children about the Lord. And this is not bad, but it's supplemental. The point is that the family unit is, God's church is based on the design of the family unit, right? right? So when it comes to teaching our children about the Lord Jesus, that's a parent a job. It's not, uh, not, not to be replaced by somebody else. My job as pastor is to look out for all of you along with the rest of the elders and look out for your spiritual condition and, and primarily teaching and preaching. And that's fine. But this can't be it. Those kids are not listening. I can't tell. 
<laughs> right? But they listen to you. And that's the point. That this is how God designed it for people to learn, to learn the young, for us to train our children. And for those of you who don't have kids at home, you're not off the hook. Don't worry. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Childhood is the ideal time to get a scripture into the heart and mind of people because they trust you and they believe what you tell them until they get to be about 12 and a half. And then they are foolish and they don't, they know they don't have to listen to you anymore. They know better. They'll figure it out once they get 30 or so that you were right the whole time. They won't tell you, but they'll know. As a kid, my folks brought me to Sunday school where I memorized verses and, and memorized books of the Bible and learned about Jesus and his disciples and, and all about the wonders of flannel graph. I know that's the way, that's a good thing. But just knowing stuff about the Bible isn't the point. Timothy was acquainted with the sacred writings, right? It says here in the text, and that means the Old Testament. The New Testament was in the middle of being written, right? He may have had some of Paul's letters and maybe uh, some of the early Gospels, we're not sure. But he did know the Old Testament, which were and are still able to make one wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a really important point about the Old Testament, about the Bible itself. We have to know our Bibles. We. We all. If you're counting on me knowing my Bible well enough so that you can survive, you're going to be ill-equipped. Um, for life. Our Bibles are a great gift to us. The words of God are written and collected here, and we can trust them. They're 100% true and accurate. We have a discussion at the dinner table last night about the how biblical archaeology, or archaeology is proving the Bible more and more right all the time. And if a scientist tells you otherwise, it's because they won't listen to all the facts. They pick their own. There's wonderful evidence proving the scripture to be true. Our brother Zach is getting to see it with his own eyes uh, even now in the Holy Lands, which is wonderful. But there's a, something else that's important about the Bible for us to recognize. The Bible does not save anyone. Okay? If you memorize the whole thing and understand the whole thing, it won't save you. That's not its purpose. The purpose of the Bible, Old and New Testament, is to point us to the person and work of Jesus Christ and to expose our need for him. Jesus said in John 5.39, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life but it's they that bear witness about me. The whole Bible, all of the Old Testament, is all about Jesus. 
all of it. However, there is a form of idolatry that worships the Bible itself. Uh, Bibliolatry, it's called. It's a real thing. And sometimes we are doing it and we don't know. We don't recognize it. There are things that uh, I've seen people do and I've done myself that bother me with uh, people and their Bibles. You ever see a kid throw a Bible? Oh, set your cup of coffee down on your Bible. The problem is we treat, I say we, this imaginary we, I know it's not you, you've never done this. We treat the Bible like a lucky rabbit's foot. Like as long as I have it and know where it is, I'm good. I have one in my house, so my house is protected from the evil spirits. (laughs) No, no. No, it's not like that. But we also must recognize that this book, the Word, is living and active. However, this physical thing I hold in my hand is still just a book, right? So if I if I want to build a house and say I want to build my my life on the Word, and so I bury a Bible under the front corner of the foundation. It's not make my house any better. It will rot and it might sink a little bit. It's bad. The Bible doesn't save. The Bible doesn't bring us good luck. The words are God's words and we have to remember that, that this is a printed collection of those words. But its work is to reveal Jesus, to expose our sin and our need for a savior. Do you know how it exposes sin? It's fun. Uh, let's say you heard of Ten Commandments, right? We've talked about this in the past before. Name one, somebody. Kill. That's don't. It's it's actually more specific than that. It's don't murder. That's different, right? Don't murder. Okay. So that means if you murder, that's a sin, right? Now. I'm not going to ask how many of us have ever killed someone before. But the spirit of the law, Jesus said, if you hate someone in your heart, you have already murdered them. So, ever hate anyone? Don't say no. This exposes our sin. That's how it works. The entire Ten Commandments, we can go right down. It'll be a wonderfully fun exercise for you. All right? We ever put anything else before God, right? And worship that first? Of course, right? Have we ever thought of a physical thing that's more important than God itself? Whether it's our house, our family, our car, our job. We've all done that to a certain extent, right? Ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Hmm? Yes, right? Uh, key the Sabbath holy ever, ever, uh, not honor the Lord through rest. <laughs> we're Americans, man. Sorry. All right, we say we're New Englanders. Work is good. We have to work until we drop. That's how we honor God by working hard, right? That's not God's pattern for us. Okay, you want to keep going? This is fun. Ever dishonor your mom and dad? Yeah. Ever say anything bad? Disobey them? Right? Okay. It's fun. We already said don't murder. You already hated somebody in your heart. You've murdered them already. 
Don't commit adultery. Jesus said, if you, if you look at another person with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Okay. There we are. We've all done that, right? Uh, don't steal, right? Ever stolen a pencil from work? Package of staples. Nobody's ever going to miss this, right? A stick of gum from the, from the drugstore. Don't steal. Don't bear false testimony against your neighbor. Don't tell a lie. I won't even ask. Have we ever done that before? Don't covet your neighbor's ox or donkey, manservant, maidservant, uh, or wife. Uh, sorry. I, I'm trying not to make eye contact with you, I promise. Um, right? We've all done that. This is what God's Word does, expose our sin. And what's the penalty for sin? It's death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? That's the way the Word works. Being a Christian, being saved, is not a matter of what we believe. Like, okay, we recognize. I believe I sinned. I believe Jesus died for my sin. I believe He rose from the dead and purchase my salvation and forgiveness. I believe those facts. I believe God has a place set apart for me in His eternal kingdom because of faith in Jesus Christ, because Jesus died for me. I believe those facts. Great. Being a Christian, being saved, is not a matter of what you believe, but in whom you believe. Jesus is not just a historical figure who died, who lived and died 2,000 years ago and did some great stuff and it was wonderful, said some good things, wrote them down, very popular book. The Bible doesn't just bring us facts about Jesus. The Bible brings us face to face with the living Lord. He is on every page if we just look for him or train ourselves to look for him. So Timothy had this wonderful advantage in his walk with the Lord. He was confident in his faith in Jesus because he trusted those who introduced him to him and also because he had been made wise for salvation through faith in Christ because he was well acquainted with the word of God all the way from childhood. And here you sit thinking, well, good for him. What about me? Timothy had advantages. Wonderful. Maybe you had some of those advantages. Wonderful. What about me? Not everybody shares this wonderful heritage of faith. Not everybody got to meet Eunice. And that's true. However, it does not have to stay that way. You may be Eunice. You may be Lois. You may be Paul to some Timothy. It doesn't matter if it's your kid or somebody else's kid. It doesn't matter if it's a kid at all. We can share this this heritage, but we don't have to be the focus of it. How often do we say, well, yeah, Timothy, what about, I want to be like that. Well, be one of these other people in a story. Timothy's not the hero here. Jesus is. And they use all these other people. You may be the first person, may be the only person in your family that believes in the Lord, that walks with Him. Don't get caught up in being Timothy in this scenario. 
because you could be the Lois or the Eunice or even the Paul. You can share the Lord with your kids. You can share the Lord with your grandkids, even kids or adults that aren't even related to you. What a wonderful idea. You may not have the heritage of faith that Timothy had, but you can have that if you're willing to start it. And it may just start with you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. This is how to have a heritage of faith in Christ Jesus like Timothy had, even if you're the one that has to start it. It all starts with each of us trusting in Jesus Christ first and then following this wonderful example of passing on that faith to the next generation. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way you designed faith to be shared personally. We thank you for the influence that each of us has in other people's lives, whoever they might be, whether they're related to us by blood or not. You've put us all in particular places on purpose to shine the light of the truth of your gospel, your love for people in those circles. I pray that we would take advantage of that. I pray that we would be inspired to talk about you when we sit down and when we rise. And as we walk along the way, may this not be the only time that we spend any time in your word, but may you drive us there all the time because we want to know more about you, what you have to say about our lives and how to live, but also who you are. We want to get to know you more. Lord, I pray that you would inspire us to do that. And help us, Lord, to share the truth of the love of Christ um, with the next generation so that your kingdom continues to expand. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire. 03890